0: Just a time and folks, today we're focusing on the next big thing when it comes to not just Toy Pizza and Nights of the Slice, but you know, my my focus in my career. And that is our first licensed project, which is Shikan the Forever Man. And I'm going to run down why Shikan is awesome, why this is important, and who the people behind this are, because I think it makes for a pretty fascinating story. 2019 marks the 40th anniversary of the creation of Chakan the Forever Man, although it would be some time before people actually saw him in the public. Robert A. Cross, uh, also goes by the abbreviation Rack, um, came up with Chakan in a sketchbook and was sort of inspired by the silhouette that Clint Eastwood cut in the, uh, the sort of Western films that he was in. This sort of tall, gangly, large brim hat uh, type wanderer character. It really spoke to Robert. And so he continued sort of sketching and drawing and and uh, eventually came up with Chacon the Forever Man. And uh, this was really a, a self-published success. Um, we would have to go back to the sort of late 80s and early 90s to see this emerging crossover, mainstream uh, phenomenon that was happening, Uh, going from these sort of self-printed black-and-white indie comics and ash cans into something, you know, globally beloved like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think, obviously, that's the example of a crossover hit from this world that really resonated and is still around for, you know, still around today. Uh, But there were a whole bunch of different satellites at the same time as, you know, Eastman and Laird were doing their Turtles book. And um, if you want to get more information on that era of comics, I actually have a a beautiful resource for you guys. Uh, You should check out Cartoonist Fabe on YouTube. It's uh, Jim Rugg and Ed Piscor. And those guys have done an extensive job of cataloging not just that era of comics, but really all era of comics, you know, and everything that that brought us to a phenomenon like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even to the present day where, you know, the biggest blockbuster films are comic book related. So, um, really worthwhile diving into because it does explain a lot of the DNA behind where we are today as a society and where we are in pop culture. Uh, so, Rack and his Rack Publishing title and his uh, character Shakan, they were a you know a relatively small in comparison to something like Ninja Turtles hit in the indie market and it was licensed for a little video game system you may remember called Sega Genesis and that is where I first encountered Shakan. I much to my chagrin, I did not find out about him until, as a comic book until much later in my life. I think if I had come across that, it would have been a revelation. I, I would have had been just as enamored had I found him on the printed page, uh, you know, compared to finding him in its pixelated form. Um, Genesis was sort of my first entryway into edgier content. Uh, I had grown up, you know, um, with the original Nintendo, every household had one, and then of course graduated to Game Boy, and um, Sega kind of came out ahead of Super Nintendo, if I'm remembering correctly, and my older brother had it, and my older brother actually lived next door to us with my grandmother, so he had a lot more freedom and was basically a fully functional adult in his early teens. And so he had Genesis over there, and even though it kind of warped my young mind, I couldn't stop obsessing about these games. I remember Altered Beast. I played it at an arcade in in Orlando on a vacation, and it was you know it was downright demonic. So obviously it was something I shouldn't have been playing. This was of course during the Satanic Panic of the 80s, and um, Genesis had a port of Altered Beast, so I got to play it all the time. And I was simultaneously sort of mortified and terrified by the characters and the creatures, but also totally, you know, transfixed. And Chacon provided that same experience as well. Uh, It came out in uh, 1992, so that puts me at about 12 years old. And I just thought he was the coolest-looking character. I thought, like, this guy is kind of a zombie... You know, kind of has, like, wrinkled flesh. But he's got these great big swords and these weapons and this cool hat. And he looked almost like a cowboy, but almost like a, you know, something from a fantasy world. And the game itself was punishingly hard. It really was a precursor to Dark Souls in some respects. Because it was so very difficult. Um, And there was also this wonderful alchemy system. You could pick up ingredients and you could... Transmute them into potions that gave you different abilities, but there was not a, you know, there was no game FAQs to go to to find out what the formulas were, and there was only really a brief mention in the uh, user manual about this. So you were really left up to your own creation to, to figure these things out, and video games at that time really didn't give you that level of... Being left out in the wild. I mean, some most of them did, but we had the Nintendo Power Hotline, we had Nintendo Power Magazine, and things like Maniac Mansion didn't spell out everything you could do. But this was the first time where, not unlike Minecraft in the early early beta, where you know there was no nobody published the sort of recipes for things. uh, This really felt like a experience of discovery. And uh, so I remember just loving Shikan. The the game itself, if you look at it, it's got this golden background and this beautiful illustration of Shikan, and he's got two swords, and, um, you know, he's got all these accoutrements on his belt for fighting evil. Really stunning, eye-catching, sure to pop out, you know, on on the sort of display at your local video bookcase or whatever your, you know, video store was called in your town. Um, I I just remember renting it over and over again and wanting to play it and sort of discover all of the secrets. Now, ironically, I was not very good at video games. I'm still not very good at video games. And um, I do not remember getting very far. And Chican, the game, also is... Um, non-linear. You can go to different levels. And that was kind of it wasn't unheard of in 1992, but it was certainly something that was uh, you know, one of the few games that did that. So that was another sort of thing that set it apart. Um I can give you a little breakdown of some of Shikan's weapons because I think they're interesting. On the on the bandolier he has three key weapons. One of them is a wooden stake of ash. Or a hawthorn. Uh, The next thing up, usually in the center, sometimes uh, uh, towards the top, is the spade-shaped stone knife, and it's called star stone knife, and it's made from a meteor of of a super dense planet that had fallen. It's harder than diamonds, and Chakan uses it to cut through creatures and things. Um, uh, Things that his normal swords or his rune swords cannot penetrate. So the Starstone knife is sort of like a diamond cutting tool, basically. Um, and it'll get the job done. Um, and then he always usually has a small dagger throwing knife that he kind of keeps in his bandolier and, you know, will quickly sort of dispatch if... Uh, you know, I think about the throwing knives in Dark Souls, like when you get those mosquito guys... Uh, coming up on you <laughs> in Blighttown. You kind of just toss a quick throwing knife. And I imagine Shikan does that quite a bit as well. Um, the Shikan uh, figure, which we have announced at Toy PizzaCon, uh, comes with what we call the Reaper's arm- Armament, <laughs> which is a fantastic name. Um, so this has the Starstone knife, which is great it or, or rather a sort of bigger version of the star knife that fits in his hand um we have his rune swords they're both slightly different um Chican has had all sorts of different size swords so you get two different swords and then you get this really awesome sickle which is featured in the game and and kind of helps out with helps Shikan get to uh different areas with the sickle weapon so that was cool to include and you know you have your choice of four different accessories. I also highly recommend you get, you use a knight's bandolier with it. The old knight's bandolier fits perfectly on Shikan. We sort of took in the chest a little bit to make sure that it would do that, and then you get even more weapon storage, and it really enhances this figure uh, quite a bit. Regarding the story of Shikan, uh, basically Shikan is this sort of handsome, overconfident swordsman, and um, he gets into a duel with Death himself, and he thinks he wins, but actually he ends up losing. Uh, You know, he thinks he's slain Death, and then—sorry, one second, my phone's Um, ringing—and then Death sneaks up behind him, stabs him in the back, and his gift or his curse, depending on your interpretation of it as a win or a loss— is that until all of the evil is vanquished, he cannot die. So, Shakan doesn't actually understand fully the extent of this gift. He spends a lot of time tracking down evil in the world. And he gets in this terrible fight with this sort of werewolf-type creature, and finally overcomes it, expecting he gets to die, finally. Takes his own life, only to sort of not pass into the next world he is stuck there and then looking up at the night sky he's told that there he may have vanquished all the evil on this world but there are millions of worlds up there that he's going to have to go and vanquish evil from so you start to understand the the mentality of someone like shikhan he i mean he is probably forced to be psychotic he's not a a man or a creature without honor he obviously respects um any life form that is not evil and not you know in his way or preventing him from extracting his mission but uh, he i think would be a psychotic a psychotic type character due to this eternity of never being able to achieve this goal and sort of suffering and dying over and over again only to you know to sort of be reborn. So, I wonder where you would put him on the, the D&D alignment chart. I guess he would have to be... Uh, I guess he would be Chaotic Good? Or, or Lawful Evil? I'm not sure. I'd like to know what you guys think. Let me know what you think Shakan's alignment is based on what I've told you. Um, it, fascinating character. You, you know, I also, um, as you look at the Shikan figure and you notice he is much bigger and much wider than his standard Knight of the Slice figure, um, there's a good reason for that. So in my mind, Chacon, uh, uh, sorry, a Knight of the Slice character stands about six feet tall. And that makes three and three quarter inch, true three and three quarter inch figures like G.I. Joe or Star Wars those in my mind are about five nine knights of the slice are about six feet tall and Chican, in the world of Chican, is about six four so i like having this sort of scale and we're going to be introducing more and more figures that kind of play with this notion uh you know the focus of action figure of the month 2020 is really going to be on Having a heavy class, you know, having bruisers, have, getting to a bigger body type that still works with standard Knights of the Slice, but gives us a little more heft and characters that really are tanks and use their muscle. So, this is, you know, the first iteration of this theme that's going to come into play a lot in the end of the year and into 2020. Um, regarding the project itself of bringing Shikan to life, uh, I don't know where the notion came to me, but I, I did find that Rack was active on Facebook. I, I don't know what I was doing, but I came across his name and I thought, oh, that's the guy that created Chican. I, I think I maybe, I must have been following like San Diego Comic-Con announcements or something. And, and I noticed that he was uh, setting up at San Diego Comic-Con. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, I, you know, I'd love to come and chat and uh, a lot of times when it comes to these old properties the original creators don't have rights to them and that's something that is that will prevent a lot of good licensing ideas from coming to pass it they just have you know lost their rights in a deal and robert stated you know that he held on to the rights despite the sega deal and I, i thought that was fantastic so a year ago exactly a year ago as a matter of fact because San Diego just San Diego Comic-Con started um, I went to his booth and the funny thing is I recognized Robert's work in his booth and he had he sets up at every show I've gone into his booth a dozen times and never once figured out that this was the guy that created Chican. I never saw his little Chacon section uh, Robert you know you would probably recognize as the guy who does all these custom trading cards. So he like hand draws popular characters and superheroes in his own style, and he puts them in plastic card sleeves, and he puts them up. And kids love this. You know, this is his present-day product is really not for a guy my age. You know, um, but I respect his hustle. You know, he is a working artist. He travels across the globe. And I, I sat there and watched all these kids come up and pick out what card they wanted, and they get Robert to sign it, and he has such a lovely sort of shorthand with all these kids and all these future artists and comic creators. I was really touched by that. And I thought that was such a, you know, such an admirable quality to him. Um, so I basically gave him a couple of nights of the slice and I said, hey, you know, this is what I make, and I have never, uh, I've never done a licensed product myself under this Knights of the Slice banner, uh, but I, you know, if you're into it, I can give you a proposal and we can maybe find out a way to work. And he was so easy about it and so enthusiastic, and you know, I, I quickly brought the idea to Dowdy, who, unlike me, knows all of Rack's artwork, has been following him and collecting his comics since the early days, and, you know, was 100% on board to kind of make this happen, make this a Glios enabled figure, and you know, we've really been toiling for the past year in, in secrecy, more or less, uh, with this project. Um, so now to kind of give you a layout of all of the people involved that that made this happen, uh, you'll find it very interesting. Because Rack Graphics, you know, Robert's company, employed, gave the first job to so many of the creative heavyweights that play in the toy world. You know, James Groman, who is the sculptor of the Chican figure, who was the creator of Mad Balls, or the sculptor of Mad Balls, and uh, Barnyard Commandos, and BC Buddies, and all this, all this wonderful lines, and who is a very in-demand vinyl artist today, uh, he got his start working for Robert. And so, uh, sorry, just getting a thousand messages right now. Anyway, sorry about that. We're trying to fulfill uh, 100 plus orders today while trying to record a podcast work never ceases uh so james got his first job or you know one of his earliest jobs working for rack and uh then went off to you know have this illustrious career in, in the toy industry and really break into the designer vinyl uh world in a big way so robert told me he was close with james i had met james a few times and chatted with him when i brought it to james i was like do you want to do the sculpt he was really happy about it Now, James is used to working on a very large scale. He's not a guy that works small, so there was definitely a learning curve there. But he produced a fantastic sculpt. Um, Dowdy sort of took James's sculpt and got the engineering right, got the fits right, tweaked it to where it needed to be, and really ensured that the final product was perfect. Um, Aaron Archer, who many people know from his time running the Transformers toy line at Hasbro. Uh, he contributed this really beautiful art and also did a small comic strip uh, that connects the worlds of Chakan and Knights of the Slice. That That's really what I think is one of the most interesting parts of this. Knights of the Slice, of course, has established multiple dimensions and the ability to travel between different worlds and things like that, as has Shikan. So it made perfect sense that these two warriors would meet. And so we are doing a carded version of Shakan uh, That will be available at theyeti.com. I'm going to talk about them in just a moment. And um, on that card, on the back, you'll be able to see the comic that Aaron Archer did that tells how these two classes of warriors sort of intersected and worked together Um, and then the front is a beautiful illustration by uh, Aaron Archer Um, so moving on to Yeti they are also a strategic partner in the Chican rollout if you go right now to the yeti.com slash Chican there is an awesome store that they have put together that right now features apparel and an enamel pin and a poster But we'll have more items soon, including a pre-order for the very special carded version. Um, Mike and Drew Wise at Yeti have been fantastic at this. I do want to note one thing. The long-sleeve Chican t-shirt was my idea and my design. I really wanted to have like a death metal style concert t-shirt. So I'm very happy with how that item turned out. I hope you guys like that as well. Um, Yeti, everybody at Yeti, and especially Mike and, and Drew, huge gaming fans, huge retro gaming people, and really big fans of Shikan. And it's nice to deal with people that I don't have to explain what Shikan is. You know, they they know it. They loved it as much as I did. They were the right age at the right time. and. Yeti are really a powerhouse when it comes to getting the word out to fans of retro gaming items. So I knew right off the bat they would be a perfect person to sort of bring into the fold and work on this. And I gotta tell you, it's the first of many retro gaming licensed toy projects that we're gonna do together. There's a lot more coming down the pike. Uh, I also wanna shout out Wayne Loosely, Lucy, Loosey, Wayne Losey, um, another heavyweight that was at Hasbro for a long time. I think he headed up G.I. Joe or Action Man for a while. Um, he did a lot of work for the Superman films for Mattel. Um, he also does a creation called ModiBot, which you should check out. It's a really cool figure. I think Wayne was responsible for bringing Stickfuzz into Hasbro and then developing Zevos which were a great, underappreciated line. Uh, really, really nice guy. And Wayne is a master at 3D, and he did Shikan's weapons, and he made them so fantastic and so great. Um, we really couldn't have done it without him because we had a, a great physical sculpt with Shikan, but we needed the weapons to be right. And... Uh, Wayne made that happen. So... We thank him for that. We thank Yeti. We thank Aaron Archer. We thank James Gromand. Uh Erwin Papa, also our our guy. We love Erwin. He did a fantastic. I know I'm saying fantastic too much today. I haven't actually had coffee yet, so just bear with me. I'm trying to ease up on the amount of coffee I drink in the day. Um, he did a fantastic. God damn it! Why <laughs> do I keep saying fantastic? He did a uh, fair to Midland. Uh, poster that I love dearly, and I think we're going to do some prints of, maybe with a foil effect or something like that. So, thank you, Erwin. Erwin um, also did some sketches of Chacon early on. i got to see if I can pull those up. Those were, dare I say, fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think what else you need to know about uh, I To me, this is just an all round win-win-win of a project. I like the idea of being able to put some money into Robert's pocket. I like that, you know, there's so many of these comic artists that are out there still hustling, still setting up at shows, and they may never get a second burst of visibility, you know? Um, You should really watch the cartoonist Kayfabe interview with Tim Vigil if you want to get an idea of what the reality of being a comic artist is, especially one that's, you know about 30 years into the career. It can be a bleak picture. And a lot of these guys will toil away in oblivion without people ever knowing who they are, what they created, or seeing their art on a bigger scale. And frankly, they're happy to do that. You know, They are really true craftsmen in that respect. But I like to be able to give a bigger spotlight to things that got me excited as a kid and get me excited now. And so this is a feel-good project for me. Um, I can't wait until we roll out all of what we have planned for Chaconne. And, uh, if you guys want to support Robert further, you can buy stuff from the Yeti store and or go to Robert's website, which, um, I'm going to say we intentionally used 1990s technology to recreate a, uh, early early internet era website. I'm just gonna play it off like this is an intentional marketing angle we're taking here. Because when you see the site, it is really like visiting a time capsule. But he has uh, all his books there. You should absolutely pick them up. Supporting these artists is really crucial. And you're giving money directly to them. You're not, you know, you're not giving money to the shareholders of Amazon or, you know, the walton family this is going right to them so it's uh it's feel-good capitalism what else can you call it um so that's it uh you guys are fantastic <laughs> and uh thank you for listening to my screed and rant about why Shikana the forever man matters so the only thing left to say is pizza out